seated. Well, if you haven't guessed by now, today is Epiphany Sunday. You had a reading on the screen explaining a little bit more about what Epiphany is and how it functions. You understand basically an Epiphany is an aha moment. It's when finally the lights come on for you about something really important, something very, very special. It's when you get a illumination or an understanding. Something is being revealed that you didn't comprehend and yet you are finally basking in the light. Whereas before, so to speak, metaphorically, you were in darkness. Tomorrow, to be exact, the 6th of January, ends the 12 days of Christmas. Some of you may have been surprised that I said I continued Merry Christmas to you. But remember, there are 12 days in Christmas, not just one. But they will end and come to a final conclusion tomorrow, which is Epiphany. Today, though, we refer to as the one closest to it as Epiphany Sunday. Epiphany, though, is not just the end of Christmas. It's not just the, the back side of the bookend, the end bookend. It also fulfills Christmas and its hope and its promise by celebrating the revelation of Christ, not just to the Jewish people to whom he came and was one of, but to those of the whole world, represented particularly by the coming of the wise men. Now, I believe we have a, a graphic up there, Emily, I believe. There we go. All right. I don't know how well you can see that, but it's a, yeah, it's a lot better on than it is than one on the back there. But anyway, now, they're the three kings, right? And their entourage. Well, we don't really know that there were three of them, by the way. There could have been ten of them. There could, but we know there were multiple. That's all we know. They were kings or wise magi. They were actually not kings, but they were magi. But we, so we know they're plural, but how many of them? We don't know. We know they brought three specific gifts. We just don't know there, uh, anything beyond how actual many. And it could have been, what I like about this depiction is it's not just three isolated people, but look at the, look at the train going all the way back around the next hillside. Uh, would have been a huge entourage for a journey that long, most likely, and especially if these magi were important and significant uh, people from where they came. So, in today's Epiphany reading, you heard an Old Testament prophecy, which we are, or you're going to hear an Old Testament prophecy, and we're going to look at that now. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through verse 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. 
Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. And your son shall come from afar. And your daughter shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. And shall bring good news. The praises of the Lord. May God add the blessing to the reading and the hearing of this, his holy word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, once again, we pray that today we would see light, greater understanding of the light that has come to lighten the way for us in the darkness. Father, we thank you for the light and that that light was not only for your ancient people, but was for people that would be throughout the whole earth as represented by these, these magi that came. Oh, Father, help us understand better. Epiphany today, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As I said, this Old Testament prophecy points to the light ultimately coming not only to the Jewish people, to whom the promises were originally made and given, but they always included. It was not fully grasped and understood, but they were always missionary promises. They were prophesied that there would be the inclusion of the nations. And we see that coming, as it were, to fulfillment in this episode of the coming of the Magi from the East. Many people call Epiphany, interestingly, the Gentile Christmas. Epiphany is a Gentile Christmas. As a matter of fact, Epiphany, historically, if you go back in the church, particularly back to the first 500 years or so, or 600 years of the church's history, you find that Epiphany was a greater celebration than Christmas was. At that point in time. It, and because it is so significant of what it portends and what it brings for the good news that is needed for the whole world. One of the main themes of the season of Epiphany. And by the way, this is Epiphany Sunday. And Epiphany is a specific day. But some people literally celebrate Epiphany as the time from then all the way to Lent. That is known as a, as a season. It's not an official season of the, on the church calendar, but it is recognized by many. Epiphany season is all about Christ being revealed in his glory. Lighting up the world of darkness in various ways, like turning a light bulb on, click after click after click. You know, a three-way bulb? Well, Jesus became many clicks on that light bulb one thing after another his baptism his his 
uh, transfiguration on the mount, um, his, his uh, turning water into wine and the wedding feast. All of these are things that revealed who Jesus was as the light of the world. All these things in his earthly ministry. And that's what Epiphany focuses on and particularly of bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And that would be why we're here today. If it weren't for that, we wouldn't be sitting here, or me standing here and you sitting here this morning. Now, today's scripture, as I said, has been long associated with the coming of Christ. And it has two effects on the world. The coming of Christ, particularly its lightning effect. It has two effects, directly and indirectly. One, the coming of Christ lightens up a sin-darkened world. That's the first effect. Christ coming into this world begins to shine the true light, the light of life, on a sin-darkened world and disperses that darkness, scatters it. And then secondly, another indirect consequence, as a result of that, we see it attracting like a warm flame attracting people from all nations. Not just a few here and there, not just certain select people, but attracting all nations. Those are the two things we're kind of going to drill down on in this passage this morning. And it gives us a lot of of insight here. It's, It's amazing how, again, this was foretold so long ago, and yet has come to pass and is still coming to pass. First of all, let's look at that notion of lighting, light, lighting up a sin-darkened world. One of the greatest things that we fear is, naturally, is darkness. <laughs> Again, you've heard me talk about go, uh, doing uh, spelunking back in the day and, uh, and, the, and the incredible darkness in caves. We just don't naturally love darkness, pitch black. We, we like to see where we're going. We like to see what is around us. And so... It's sort of an innate fear that people just don't like being in the dark. We like to have light around us of whatever kind and variety we can find. Why do you think most of the scary movies are always when? In the daylight? No, they're in the dark where you can't quite make out what's coming or what's seen. That's just the way it works. But when the Bible uses darkness or night, it is often a metaphor or word picture for sin, gloom, death, and its resulting hopelessness. Hopelessness, despair. The world, the sinful world is covered in darkness and there's no hope of it getting better on its own. You know, everywhere you go, you are seeing people, whether it's some politician promising you or somebody telling you if we would just adopt this system, we would bring upon the world a, a whole new uh, utopian, you know, uh, better world. Uh, the whole idea of, of utopian fantasies have been out there for years. It's what we naturally want to have happen. People tell us if we'll adopt this certain system or we'll do this or give this person power, then it'll happen. It doesn't happen. It does, there is no utopian fantasy going to be fulfilled. 
apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that is going, the work of Christ that's going to lighten up this darkened world in which we live. As many of you know, uh, I'm not exactly a morning person. Some of you know that. Um, and um, I, I used to used to run for years and years and years at 5.30 in the morning. But, you know, as soon as I could get beyond that, I did. And uh, that's just not, that's, I'm just not a, a morning person. I had a mug in seminary, a mug with Snoopy on it. And uh, he was laying on his doghouse and kind of rolled over with his tongue out saying, I think I'm allergic to morning. And, um, and that's, that's kind of how, how I feel about that. But listen, <laughs> there is a wake-up call in this text. There's a wake-up call in verses 1 and 2. Look at it. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness and the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. What an incredible promise. Yes, a deep sleep may be holding its grip on you, And on those that you love. But God is calling us to wake up. He's calling us to wake to the news that what he has done that changes the relationship between sinners and a holy God has been accomplished in Christ. And that those who believe in him and have received him, they should be awake and see and understand the light. He's saying in essence, get up off your back, cast aside your fears and embrace the light that has come in my son. That's what God is saying in this prophecy. It would be Jesus that would become the light of the world. He proclaimed that. He symbolized that. He continues to shine. So that we can arise and shine. We no longer need wander hopelessly in the dark. Yes, the the world is dark. It is still far from what it will one day be under his hand. And nothing can change that darkness except the coming of Christ. God tells us that we can arise and shine as light reflectors. You heard me mention that notion a couple of weeks ago. Right light reflectors. Listen to this passage from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 14. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now did you hear in that passage in, that I read in the second verse? It says, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. It'll be upon you. It'll be in you. In other words, what this text is saying is stay close to the light. Stay close to the source of the light. And as a result, you And I will even in some way reflect it. Just like 
The sun is a what? Is a light source. The moon, is it a light source? No. It's a light reflecting entity. The source is the sun, but the moon reflects the light to us. And that's what we are to be and what this text promises will be fulfilled when we are in Christ, when we trust Christ, that we will be little lights that will reflect that light to others. By the way, where do you put lights? <laughs> Normally. Do you put them out in the broad daylight and turn them on when the sun's blazing and lights? No. You put them where? Where it's dark. You put it where it's not real well lit. You put light in dark places. Do you know that God sometimes does that? You know, you wonder why. Why doesn't everything go well? Why isn't everything always great? I'm a child of God. Why, why can't I, everything just be perfectly happy and all the time? Well, sometimes there are some places that are dark that need to be lit up. And God puts you and me in those places so that we might reflect his light to others. So that his light might be seen in us. Sometimes he puts us in difficult settings, dark places, so that Christ's light can shine through us for those who need to see it. And, and in that, again, that's so interesting in verse 2b, that his light, the prophecy says, will be seen upon us. Again, it's that reflected light, not primary light, reflected a channel, but nonetheless, that people will somehow see us having something that they end up seeing the need for. And that leads us to the second. Not only does light come and bring life and scatter the darkness that was prophesied, and that's what Christ's coming and his first coming does and is still doing all throughout the world. But it also not only disperses darkness, but it starts attracting, attracting people from all nations. Don't you love the glow-in-the-dark things like Frisbees? For many years, I never had one of those. I always was jealous of those kids that had the -the glow-in-the-dark Frisbees. They cost too much uh, when I was growing up. But... The glow-in-the-dark Frisbees, or uh, some of you had, I remember we moved into our house here, uh, literally one of the bedrooms had a ceiling. I guess one of the kids was uh, um, uh, uh, had stars in the ceiling that were glow-in-the-dark. And so when you cut out the lights, uh, they would glow for a while. Uh, you know, that, that phosphorescence uh, 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 idea. And, of course, many of you have perhaps seen, you've heard me speak about that before, if you've seen phosphorescence uh, out here on our beaches and our, on the Emerald Coast and Pensacola all up and down here. Certain times you can see it. It's pretty amazing. And, and it has a way of not only, it's not just a light at the moment of the break, but it, but it, se- it lasts. It seems to give out light. You see, it's not just you and me that God's, for his, that, that you and I are not the only reason that God's glorious gospel glows. Phosphorescent glows. 
the Magi are another example, a shining example of, and representatives of the same thing in verses 5 through 6. I'm not going talking about that. I've already read that today. But they are an example of that. But look at verse 4. Or excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, look, look at verse 3. And the nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. I mean, literally, they came to that. But that's not just the only time this is fulfilled. This is still coming. There are kings, leaders coming to the light of Jesus Christ and his gospel. And then in verse 4, it says, Lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. This is just imagery saying they'll come out of the woodwork from all places, not just a specific special place, but they will be coming to the light of Christ. You see, the gospel is a glowing, beautiful truth. The glorious glow in the dark gospel. That's what, that's what God has brought in Jesus Christ. A glorious glow-in-the-dark gospel. And it glows not just for the Jews, but it glows for the Gentiles, everyone else. And whatever tribe, whatever tongue, whatever nation, whatever people, group, they are all in the crosshairs of the purpose of God. God, the gospel is universal, intended for every tribe, language, and people. That's why we send missionaries out. Right, Brett? Morgan? That's why we send missionaries. We send them out because the gospel has not reached. The glow of the gospel, the light, has not yet reached the places it needs to reach. I love how, the, again, the language uh, of, the, of, of a hymn that we sometimes sing here, uh, the choir's done it a number of times, um, but it's uh, all my heart this night rejoices. And the third verse says this, Dearest Lord, thee will I cherish. Though my breath fail in death, yet I shall not perish. But with thee abide forever, there on high, in that joy which can vanish never. Come then, banish all your sadness. One and all, come with songs of gladness. Love him who with love is glowing for you. See, that's what's depicted here. That's what's depicted here. You see, the effect that it should have on us, on the new Israel of God, his church, is in verse 5. A, look. Then you shall see and be radiant, and your hearts shall thrill and exult. That should be the outcome. That should be the result. Heart-pounding joy. If we really understand the gospel, if we really get what the gospel is saying, if we really understood how good good news really is, we would, we would be filled with joy. 
heart-pounding joy. It would, over, it would eclipse all the other lesser lights. Yes, there are other important lights and there are other things that we look to, but they would be eclipsed. They would be overcome. They would be outshone by the truth of this. And we would be filled with great joy. Problem is, we forget, don't we? We forget so easily. We turn away. We don't concentrate and think about the light and the truth of what God has done in Jesus. How did you get here this morning, by the way? Did any of you follow a star? Like those guys? The wise guys that I had on the screen? Did, did, you, did you follow a star this morning? I don't think so. How did you get here? Well, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you got here probably because someone spoke to you, spoke the word of God, you heard a message, you read it somewhere, you saw it on a, on a television uh, a gospel proclamation, or someone shared the gospel with you or told you about a relationship with Jesus. Somebody had to be the connecting point to connect you to the light. We are called to be stars guiding others to the place where Christ is. That's what that star functioned as. And guess what? We, again, as Luther says, we're just little lights, itty-bitty tiny little lights, but we do have not only a shining purpose, we are basically here to guide others, point them to Jesus. Again, people are great and rightly have many reasons to criticize the church, the institutional church. We have not had a perfect track record. We've got lots of black eyes through the years. Sometimes the church really got really off course and sometimes still manages to really mess things up. But ultimately the point is not to draw the attention to us. It's not about us. We are the sinners that the Savior saved. We are the ones to whom Jesus came and forgave us all our failures and our iniquities. He is the one to whom we point. We are the stars pointing to Jesus, saying, don't look at us. We're a mess. Look at the one who forgives messy, sinful people. That's the one in whom you should hope. That's the one that we give glory and praise and worship to. So, we're called to be stars guiding others to Christ. And you see, this is not something that we can hoard. It's not like a lot of other things. When we get some stuff that we like and we feel comfortable with it, we like to keep it. Remember, it's like the manna can't be kept. Cannot be held on to. We are called to give away what we've been given. When we have been introduced to Christ and found Christ, we're supposed to tell others about that. Others in our family, others in our workplaces. We're to be lights to the world. We're to be a city set upon a hill. Our original founders of this country understood that. They knew that they weren't here just to find a good living they had to hack that out of the wilderness. But they were here to bring the light of Christ. Many of them self-consciously knew and understood that. They were to bring the gospel with them. 
We are to be beacons beaming out into the streets and homes of our community, reflecting the epiphany light of Jesus Christ. A.W. Milne, not A.A. Milne, that's uh, Winnie the Pooh, okay? (laughs) Not that guy, okay? So block that one out, hermetically seal that off. Not talking about Winnie the Pooh guy, okay? But A.W. Milne was a missionary, and he labored as a missionary in New Guinea in the 1800s. And there were, at that time, uh, cannibals. And he knew that he was on a one-way ticket. His ticket had been punched, but it was only one way. There was no round trip for him. He knew that. He understood that. It was the danger and the call. And he died preaching the gospel of Christ to the people of New Guinea. His converts, some of them were former cannibals. At his death, when he died, some of the people at his funeral were people that had been cannibals. They inscribed upon his grave marker these words. Here lie the remains of A.W. Milne. When he came to us, there was no light. When he died, there was no darkness. There was no darkness. I'm sure life was still hard, but those people had stepped out of the darkness into the light of Christ. And their world and everything in it would never be the same. They got what the gospel really means. You see, my friends, listen to this from Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's our calling. Little lights, little reflecting lights pointing to Jesus. Remember, we're not producers of the light. We're only conduits and channels. Revelation says we can become lampstands. Lampstands don't have light. They just hold the light. They just hold the light up so others can see it better. Holding up the life-giving light of Christ. Brothers and sisters, the scripture tells us, this passage says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Do you think about that? Do you realize if you're a Christian today, if you're one that's put your faith and trust in not in anything you've done or ever will do, but in Christ and Christ alone, then... Your light has come. No matter how dark your world may become in future events or what happens, the light has shone upon you and it's supposed to reflect out from you and from me. May God cause you and cause me to be more radiant, to shimmer, to shine with his light so that others will come to that light. Joy to the world, as I said last week. The Lord 
has come. Let his light shine on everyone. Through you, through me. And that's, my friends, epiphany. Let's pray. Lord, you know that we are not the lights. We are only pale reflectors. We're only tiny lampstands. But, oh Lord, may you, may your glory be lifted up. May your praise be great. May, Lord, through, throughout all the nations of the world, will you call forth your people from every tribe and tongue and nation, Lord, to come to the light of the world and have their sins forgiven and have their world changed and lighted up with the light of Christ, dispersing darkness, Lord, and attracting people to come to the King of all nations, to their only wise and true King, Father, the one who provides salvation and light and life and truth. Father, help us to reflect that. Help us to live in that light. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.